Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Torch. I am Jake. And I'm Kimberly. And today, our guest is George Grombacher. Hello, George. Well, hey, guys. So George is the founder and chief community officer of Money Alignment Academy, and fundamentally, he's working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. After almost 20 years as a financial advisor, he has found the traditional way of delivering financial advice is not serving us. He believes a non-traditional approach is what's needed, and that's what he's working on. So welcome, George. Thank you. Excited to be here. (laughs) Can you talk to us a little bit about your upbringing, like boy George, (laughs) teenage George? I was thinking about that. You want me to talk about my upbringing and then talk about boy George also? Yeah, talk about your Hopefully there's some overlap, too. Yeah, of you and boy George. You Uh, as boy George. I was making a really bad 80s pop (laughs) Star I was joke. too. Okay. Oh, great. That's God, where great. I started yeah, with it. Yeah. Sorry. Sure. <laughs> I have to explain it. It's less I'll, uh, funny. I'll, 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 I'll try and keep up. <laughs> Tell us about Boy George. <laughs> yes. So I grew up in northern Minnesota, small town called Duluth. And I guess mm. for all intents and purposes in northern Minnesota, that's that's a pretty big town. Mm-hmm. Um, but great place to grow up. Um, great family. Cold weather. Somehow somehow I managed to uh, to play tennis really competitively kind of against all odds because where in the world would you want to play tennis in northern Minnesota uh. when, when there's two seasons, winter on the 4th of July. But that is, that is what I did, um, and that, that, that brought me a college scholarship and brought me to Valparaiso University, which is um, where I went to college. So anyway. Uh, you went to Valpo in Indiana? I did. Wow, another Hoosier like by <laughs> way of their home state. <laughs> yeah. Very so, cool. So more about Boy George. Uh, it's Tell me, is there specifically something that you're interested in? Yeah, was in? Boy George like interested in money? In my mind, now that I know that you're from Minnesota, mm-hmm. did Boy George have like, I had a little register as a kid and then I was always interested in cooking and food. So it helped me for when I had my first restaurant job to learn how to count money back. Did you do that? Was Boy George that way? No. Uh-uh. Oh. <laughs> no, I I, I, uh, I was raised in a home where, where money was was probably more scarce than it was abundant, and we never talked about it ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my mom sitting at the kitchen table once a month, paying bills on Sunday, and it was like, okay, we don't want to mess with mom during this time. <laughs> so, um, so no, I uh, I don't think I ever did anything entrepreneurial either. I never had like a lemonade stand, um, and money was never really talked about, and so I never really thought I'd have a career in it necessarily. Uh-huh. Um, Started working at age 14 and and had jobs throughout uh, growing up in high school and college and all that, but uh, didn't really have a good financial um, education when 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 I was a kid. So, okay, where did you where did you run into it? Was it in college? Mm-hmm. No, that's that that would be appropriate. But no, uh-uh. <laughs> I was a I was a poli sci major. I, I thought that I wanted to go to law school, um, and just I thought I wanted to go to law school because I looked at what I perceived an attorney to be, or what I rather, I knew an attorney to be, which was a successful individual who wore a suit and was a respected career and they made money. I literally had no idea what an attorney did. I had no idea what a financial person did. Um, So I I guess it was just a matter of, I guess this is the path that I'm going to go down. So That's awesome. So how did you get from Valpo to Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. So my awesome rudderless life up until that point. Uh, my my folks split up when I was five, so my dad moved down to Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. I think, gosh, I'm 40 and I was five, so 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I would go down and visit. And uh, after I graduated, well, when I was uh, a senior, I took the LSAT, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, 
going to go to law school because that whole lawyer thing that I was, I, I, I was, I thought I was into. Mm-hmm. And I applied to school in Chicago, got accepted, and I realized, well, if I go to law school in Chicago, I'll probably end up staying in the Midwest. And it's awesome. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I was tired of cold weather. So they're going to move down to Arizona where water does not naturally freeze. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe I'll take a year off and uh, go to ASU for law school and I'll keep pursuing that. But I ended up moving down and uh, I went to my fraternity's alumni association and met a guy who said, come talk to me about New York life. And so I got into the financial business right out of college. And as it works out, my grandfather had spent his whole career with New York Life. I didn't know anything about it because mm-hmm. he, he had retired by the time I was old enough to know. But it was just an odd coincidence that I ran into a guy that that <clears throat> wanted me to work at New York Life. And anyway, it sounded like something I could do. Mm-hmm. I was a competitive athlete. I understood goal setting and working hard towards things. And so I did it. How long did you do that? I was a New York Life agent here in Phoenix for seven years, and then I uh, I went into management with New York Life in Southern California. So mm-hmm. whenever you do well as a salesperson, they want to promote you into management, even though I had zero management skills at all, knew nothing about recruiting, but but hey, why not? All, all told, I'm technically a retired New York Life agent, so I spent 10 years with the company. Nice. And I get a monthly pension every month from them, even Amazing. though it's a very, very small amount of money, but it's... It hits my checking account the same day every month. So It's reliable and very nice and steady. <laughs> For sure. We call that, would you consider that passive income at this point? That is 100% or? passive income. <laughs> my personal finance knowledge. Boom. Talk to us about when you founded Money Alignment Academy. Uh, so I spent 10 years with, uh, with New York Life and then really o- over the past 10 years, um, now I've been in the industry for I think 18 years or so. The last eight years has been working with retirement plans for organizations. I find it to be intellectually interesting. I find it to be extremely challenging, and each organization is different. Um, and then when you start to, to to work in that space, you realize that that so few of us are doing an awesome job with saving money. And so that's when I started to, to think about all these different non-financial aspects. And I wanted to do a better and more effective job at, at my job, which was helping individual people successfully accumulate assets for retirement. Because that's what the 401k is for. Mm-hmm. And so you can accumulate assets for retirement. So I'd be doing these presentations for people and I'd be like, oh, well, geez, you know, there's only half the company is here and, you know, this person couldn't make it or whatever, or there's other locations. So I thought, well, why not start recording these so other people can see them? And so that, that was really kind of the seeds of Money Alignment Academy mm-hmm. was a desire to to do better programming and then to, to package it up. And I thought, well, why not create almost like a course? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so that is really what, what birthed Money Alignment Academy. And then you realize, or I, I realized rather, that half of the uh, private companies in the United States, half of them don't offer a retirement plan. What? Yeah. Like half of employees, 19 to 64, don't have access to a 401k at work. There's this huge need for smaller organizations to to help their employees to be financially successful. And so I think the Money Alignment Academy is perfectly suited for those organizations. It's great for, for, for lots of different types of organizations, for people that want to help their employees to be more financially successful and overall just reach whatever goals that they're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. But for those organizations that, that still want to do right by their people, but because sometimes the governance of a 401k plan, the cost, um, the administration, sometimes that's too cumbersome. And that's the reason a lot of these companies don't do it. I, I view this as a great fit for meeting the need of bringing financial literacy, financial wellness, 
um, and then the opportunity for an employee to set up an IRA. Mm-hmm. And so it's still an employee benefit like a 401k is, um, just without having to, to go through all the hassle of putting an actual plan in place. The whole idea behind money alignment is that all three stages of your life are congruent. So they're aligned. Your past history with money, that you understand that, you understand your current money situation, and you understand where you're interested in going in the future. They don't all, they, they don't all have to be the same. You just need to have a good understanding of all three of them. Mm-hmm. And then that allows you to more fully align once you are personally aligned and you have your, for lack of a better term, stuff together. That allows you to and be available to fully align with your organization's mission and purpose. So I think that that is a, a huge benefit. And I know there's not a single business owner out there that wouldn't want all of their employees to be financially successful, to not have to worry about money, to not be stressed out, because there is also enormous data about absenteeism and presenteeism and all these other isms that go along with when people are in bad, when people are in a bad way financially, they're just not going to be fully engaged at work. And you know, the engagement statistics anyway are pretty dismal. (laughs) Most people don't like their jobs and that's a huge problem too. So that's all this whole community thing. I'm driving towards that, trying to help organizations um, put in place a great engagement program and, and really just help make it a place where employees can become the best possible versions of themselves. I was doing a little research uh, uh, before uh, you came here today, and um, I was reading your sort of like about me section on your website, and there's a part in there that really caught me, um, and it, it this is not verbatim, but basically you state that um, we've been sold this idea of a certain lifestyle that doesn't really bring us the happiness that we thought it would. Um, can you kind of explain that and uh, talk about how that kind of plays into your philosophy? For sure. I, I, I believe that we are 100% at war. And on one side of that war is me and you. And the other side is society and the internet and Instagram and and wealth signals and everything else. And that other side of that, that war is working 24-7 and has unlimited resources to make you think and present you opportunities to frankly, overconsume and to want a lifestyle that is maybe not within or really what it is that, that you're interested in. And I think that if we are not mindful of that and intentional with how we spend our resources, mainly our time and our money and our attention, then they are going to make those decisions for us. And I know I speak from absolute firsthand experience that I fell into that trap and still do all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody does. And it's natural as a human being to want nice things and to want a great lifestyle. But if it's pe- pushing half of us to not be able to cope with 400 bucks in case of an emergency and to be living paycheck to paycheck, then that's that's really what I'm talking about is that we are all falling into that trap. So it's this idea of like there's the machine that kind of demands you to consume and buy, even though you may not have the resources to do that. Right. So like a lot of times people rack up a lot of debt. Right. In pursuit of that. That's it. Right. It's like, okay, well, these people can't necessarily afford all the stuff we want to sell them. I wonder if there's a way we could we could remedy that. And make money. Enter credit cards, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) All these stores have credit cards now. Sure. And credit cards are a relatively new phenomenon, right? Well, so is everything, right? It's not like our economic system's been around for for that long. But since the 80s, right, that's when credit cards really grew into prominence. And now now everybody has them. I mean, we're talking about a trillion dollars in credit card debt. Same thing goes with with student loans, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, let's, let's 
increase the cost of education and then give people loans to afford it. Well, it doesn't mean it's right for you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 really what my premise is and what my work. <clears throat> and when when I talk about how. I think that traditional financial education and programming and wellness is flawed. It's because it's just talking about the percentages and the things, and it doesn't address the human element of it. And I think that unless you do that, you know, it's just it's going to be a waste of everybody's time. Nobody's going to absorb it. They're certainly not going to put it into use. Mm-hmm. You have a very holistic approach. In other words, that's kind of what I've gathered from the times I've heard you speak to and knowing more about Money Alignment Academy. It's, it's, you're not just talking about finance and numbers. You bring in the human aspect and kind of like psychology of spending. Oh, I'm totally an amateur psychologist for sure. <laughs> there's, nice. no, there's no toys about that. Um, <laughs> I, I, again, yeah, I think, I, I, think, I, I think you need to look back on, on what your childhood experiences with money were you know, because that's going to inform how I use it today. Mm-hmm. Telling you about how we really never talked about it in my household and it was more stressed than anything else. Mm-hmm. And that certainly manifested itself in, in my overspending and being irresponsible with it in my 20s and, and probably for part of my 30s too. But um, and, and then it's so important um, to talk about and to consider what is of most value to you, really what your personal values are. And obviously your goals and, 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 and all those things. And I say obviously, but that's not obvious to everybody. Mm-hmm. And these are these are somewhat difficult and uncomfortable and uncommon conversations, but you have to have them. And mm-hmm. you have to think about why is it that I want these things? And if in fact I want them because it's going to make me a happier person, well then great, then do that. But if I'm just doing it because maybe it, I, I feel like it or, 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 I'm, or I'm trying to keep up with my neighbor or whatever, or okay. because I have Amazon Prime, you know, or, or because it's just one <laughs> yeah. click away. Yeah. I want to keep going a little bit further down that path because I'm very intrigued by yeah. that. I love Instagram. It's a really fun platform to use. I'm a big foodie, so I especially like looking at the food, you know, pictures and stuff. So that's you don't get you can fall down the rabbit hole anywhere on Amazon. And you get served up ads that don't look like ads for items you don't need, but then when you see them, it's super cool. So I found something like really late the other night. And on Instagram. Um, on Instagram, I got served up an ad and it's this really cool, it's nifty, right? It's a little chopping station for your mise en place when you're making dinner. I already own little bowls that I put it in, but this is elevated and then it has a little cutting board attached and you can scrape your scraps into it. I mean, it's something Sounds I have. Amazing. It's amazing. It's very <laughs> cool, like from the design aesthetic, right? But I went down the rabbit hole. I'm looking at the website for an hour. I send the link to my husband. I was like, I need this. And it's $120. And then I was like, Kimberly, you do not need this. You have little bowls already. You have a cutting board. But it's one of those things where it's so easy when you're getting served ads and when you're seeing what other people have to think, I need that. It's kind of scary. Yeah. I think it really, it's it's just so important to be mindful and, and, and to be aware of it. And I'm not advocating of, of our poverty here. I'm not saying that we need to be monks and, yeah. and, and swear off all material goods. Quite the opposite. I, I enjoy nice things and I hope everybody else does. It's just a matter of at what price, at, mm-hmm. at what cost is this, you know, costing you mm-hmm. and, and, and your overall financial situation and your long-term happiness and contentment and all that stuff. We know how important it is to set goals, right? Mm-hmm. There's that Harvard study with the Harvard MBA and they studied for like 25 years and they figured out the people that actually had goals and wrote them down like were 200% more successful or it was a huge percentage um, 
you just increases your odds of actually hitting your goals. But so few of us actually do it. Mm-hmm. And how many of us have actually sit, sat down and figured out, okay, here's how I'm going to allocate my resources. This is stuff I'm going to spend money on. This is stuff I'm not. This is stuff my family spends money on. This is the things we don't. Um, you need to do that. And then we need to revisit it because mm-hmm. I forget it too. Why do you think people don't talk about their finances? For a myriad of reasons, it could have been that that when you were raised, it was it was inappropriate or gauche to ask somebody how much money they made, and so therefore it's this third rail that we never talk about it because it's not uh, it's not a a, uh, a nice thing to talk about. It's like politics or sex or money, right? Mm-hmm. Or people are embarrassed about it because they made bad decisions, and we all have. Every single one of us has made bad money decisions. Um, so it's all those reasons. How do we avoid that? How do we um, sort of create a sort of like better atmosphere of like a more transparent atmosphere when it comes to like personal finances. Just get started with it, right? You know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today, <laughs> right? And I, I can't unring these bells. I can't, I can't un- make choices that I made 20 years ago or 10 years ago, but I can start making better decisions today and living more intentionally with saving, with spending, with my credit card usage, with my online viewing and, and, and all that. Mm-hmm. And find, going back to this community thing, I think that one of the reasons and one of the opportunities that a company or organization has, if you already have a great culture, well, then that's an amazing opportunity to to incorporate more financial conversations into it, right? Because if you trust your coworkers, if you already get along great, if you start having little conversations about finance, talk about the 401k, talk about whatever, saving money, talk about good money habits, well, then you're in a safe space, a good environment to actually get comfortable talking about those things. Working on the idea that like a lot of people um, are not very financially literate, what is the difference between a 401k and an IRA? And what are the benefits to each? Yeah. So an IRA, and anybody can go set up an IRA. It stands for Individual Retirement Account. And there's two different kinds. There's a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. What's different about those is just the taxation of it. With traditional, you get a tax deduction in the year that you make the contribution. With a Roth IRA, you do not. And so when you go to take money out of the Roth IRA, it comes out tax-free. When you go to take money out of the IRA, the traditional IRA, you pay tax on that money. Okay? You can put about six grand into an IRA. Annually. Yep. Each year. Um, you can go set up an IRA at a bank or any kind of a financial website will be able to um, will allow you to do that. You just have to have earned income to set up an IRA. Okay, four hundred one k is an employer sponsored retirement plan. So the only way you can have access to a four hundred one k is you own a business and you put one in place for your business, or if you're an employee at a company that offers a four hundred one k, and it's a salary deferral retirement plan. So a lot of the time, instead of you receiving your paycheck, if you want to put $500 a month into it, the money goes right into the 401k. So it goes in. Um, you can put a lot more money into a 401k. It's like 18000 bucks or something like that this year. I should know the answer to that. I think it's $18,500. Um, and there's also the similar treatment between the traditional, which is reduces your taxable income in the current year. And we take money out it's uh, taxable. And then uh, there's also a Roth feature on a lot of these plans where you put the money in and it does not reduce your tax liability in the current year, but all the money you take out down the road comes out tax-free. 
Why would people not choose the Roth over the regular IRA? Because the goal would to investing would be that you would take a little bit of money over time and have a lot to retire on. And that seems like a lot more taxes you're going to pay in 20, 40 years. Yeah. There's a couple of really important things about that. Um, obviously, I don't know where tax rates will be in the future. So if they are higher, well, then I'd be way happier if I used the Roth option, right? Because mm-hmm. I deferred in a lower income tax rate environment and I'm using it and paying tax in a higher income tax rate environment, but I don't know where that's going to be. So that's kind of guessing, which makes retirement planning kind of hard, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are in a position where you don't want to have to come out of pocket and write the government a check, well, that's why you would use the um, the traditional IRA or traditional 401k to defer taxable income. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are making less than $50,000 a year, there's very little reason for you to use or to do a traditional IRA or 401k because you're already not paying income tax. Mm-hmm. So why would you be deferring to pay income taxes in the future? Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, definitely inside baseball on that one. So if you're never saving, if you have no retirement plan, you basically can never retire. You have to work until you die. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yep. Fundamentally, I think that that the average average Social Security benefit right now is probably around $15,000 a year. So if you can live on $15,000 a year, no, then you, you can absolutely retire. If you cannot, well, then, yeah, you'll be working. And you can't even get Social Security until late 60s, right? That's right. Will Social Security be around for millennials and younger? <laughs> The answer is, I, you know, who, who, <laughs> Kimberly's looking at me with, with, uh, with very wide eyes and a big smile on her face. Yeah, I think that Social Security is going to be around. It's just going to be a lot less. And I think that, that we're going to have to wait till a lot later. Um, it's just based on, on flawed metrics and it's due to run out of money in, in a pretty short amount of time. So tough decisions will have to be made. I imagine that we're going to honor the commitments we've made to people within 10 years of retirement. But for me and you guys, um, yeah, you just have to probably work a lot longer and the benefit will probably be less. But That boils my blood <laughs> when we had someone come in to talk about our benefits last year. And he's like, if you want to be really depressed, if you're a millennial or younger, go to, was it just IRS.gov or Social Security? Oh, so you can see how much you've put in? How much you've put in and what you're expected to get out. Because I just think about like, you know, we all had jobs as teenagers. I started babysitting when I was not even a teenager. But like my first job when I started paying taxes and Social Security was at 15. So I think about that and I'm like, whoa, that is going to be awful. To not- yeah, and that's that's also a big part of my, uh, I mean, it's it's a matter of personal responsibility. It's like, are you taking care of yourself? Are you saving money? Because if you are not, well, then the government will be responsible for you. Because if you're 85 years old, you're making 15 grand a year on your Social Security, but you still don't have money to live. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not who who's going to be responsible. It's going to be the government, which means it's going to be the taxpayers, which means it's going to be you and me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I am a huge advocate for taking control, making sure that you are saving not mm-hmm. only for you but for the rest of us too. So, what is your top tip for millennials and your top tip for getting out? Of debt, yeah, I I think I think it's the same for both, and it really is pay yourself first, and that that is the golden rule of personal finance. And fundamentally, if you are in the habit, as I was forever, of paying everybody else first and then waiting 
to pay yourself after you've paid everybody else, well, miraculously, there will probably not be any money left over mm-hmm. at the end of the month. There's this thing called Parkinson's Law. It says that work will expand or contract to fill the amount of time available for its completion, right? It's like, okay, today, if I have to make 50 telephone calls, if I give myself an hour, I'll probably get it done. Or if I give myself all day, it'll take all day, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I have a morning routine. So if I usually get up at 6 and I'm out the door at 7, I get it all done. Well, if I get up at 6.30, I'm still going to get it done by 7, right? Mm-hmm. I think the same is true of our expenses, If we do not put them in check, they will continue to expand and consume all available resources. So you need to be paying yourself first at the beginning of the month. So get something. That's what makes a 401k awesome is it comes right out of your check before you get the money. Mm -hmm. So you are automatically paying yourself first. Mm -hmm. But you can still do that with um, an automatic um, deposit into an IRA. You can set that up no problem first of the month or whenever you get your paycheck to come out that day or the day after. Um, and the only way you're going to get out of debt is, I mean, again, to be intentional about it, to get organized, but then put a plan together and stop spending. Stop spending. Say it again. Stop Mate. spending so much money. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Prime Day is coming up. I don't know when this show is going to oh, be no. released. La, 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 la. Yeah. It's like, oh, really? Prime Day? That's like sweetest day, right? It's like, how did Hallmark invent a holiday? And how is Amazon inventing a holiday? Yeah. Those dirty, it's. Quite a company. The, oh, God bless America. <laughs> you know, I've never found anything I, I've liked on Prime There's Day. There's no deals. The first fr- Prime Day they ever had, all I could see were deals for like children's toys and diapers. Like Amazon, you know what I'm shopping for. <laughs> Why are you serving this up to me? But you know all they do is last year was a tipping point because I was just watching it and buy a single thing. Yeah. But I was just getting more annoyed as the day progressed because it (laughs) would give you the updates. And I'm like, I know that item. You just marked it up to mark it down. Don't look at Prime Day. Don't even go on. Don't even don't even think about like a big problem for me in in my early 20s was um, I would go for the deal. Right. Not because I'm like I was going to buy that thing anyways and I'm saving money. But I would go, oh, it's so cheap. Why not buy it? Right. It, so it totally is like a mind hack you have to do, mm-hmm. right? You kind of have to look into your own psychology and figure out why um, your your buying habits are the way that they are. Yeah, for sure. Right. Just be honest with yourself. Again, buying stuff on Amazon, great. Do it. Just don't spend too much. Mm-hmm. And I, to this day, I hate budgeting. I hate it. My, 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 my wife keeps our budget and I just cringe when it's time to go through it. I don't know why. Just because it's the conditioning, you know? <laughs> I, 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 we never did it when I was a kid. And then, you know, when I was single, I certainly did not budget. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so now that when it, when in reality, budgeting is empowering and confidence building because you know, you know, I can buy this crap on Amazon if I want because I can afford it. Mm-hmm. Or I know, well, I just bought that and I know I shouldn't have. So, but at least you know. What are the slippery debt slopes? individuals and entrepreneurs can fall into. Yeah, I, I think that's just habits of, of, of consuming. It's very, very easy. I know that, that my wife and I fell into that where there'd be a box showing up from Amazon. And as I say that, I need to throw myself on the mercy of Thomas and Local First Arizona. But <laughs> there'd be a, Don't listen, there'd be, Thomas. <laughs> there'd be a box showing up from Amazon at my door like every day. And and in our defense, we, we, we do have a baby. So a lot of the time it'd be something for baby and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But but man, it's so easy just to be able to do that one click 
and that was brilliant by them. Mm-hmm. Just, well, you've got your credit card information. Just buy it, buy it, buy it. And so I think it's so easy to get in those habits of mindlessly consuming, mindlessly consuming. But I mean, I it's not a slippery slope, but the biggest mistakes that anybody makes are are the large the large purchases, purchasing too much house or renting an apartment that's too expensive or buying a car that's too expensive. I mean, I'm sick of hearing about uh, avocado toast or whatever BS that is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if that's something that makes you happy and brings you joy, then you should buy that five times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you need it, to eat. Yeah. In person, defense of avocado toast. Per, a, person, a person's <laughs> got to eat. Uh, but the slippery slope, probably just, just really making consuming too easy. So buying stuff on your phone all the time. What mm-hmm. about for entrepreneurs too, though? When you're starting a business, I totally get the sense of um, people who that who I've met who are entrepreneurs. They like don't know how to prioritize what they need to buy first, especially if it's a brick and mortar. That becomes very difficult because sometimes you do need all of these supplies and materials. So I think that kind of leads into the the better question might be: Is there a, what's the kind of concept of good debt, bad debt. Is there such a thing as good debt, especially when you're starting a business? Yeah. I mean, using other people's money, that's a really, really smart thing. I think it's really difficult to scale a business a lot of the time without taking on some kind of debt. So I am not, uh, I don't think there's too many things that are binary in, in the world, right? Like debt is inherently not good nor bad, right? Just like divorce is not good nor bad. Money is not good or bad. Mm. It does a lot of things and how you use it is what is good or bad. We always ask everybody on the torch, if you can meet one person living or dead, who would it be and why? Yeah. So this is a, this is like asking me where I would vacation. Um, I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is I, I told you Jesus, and it's not because I'm, I'm a devout religious person. I have all the respect in the world for, uh, for religious people, and I have all the respect in the world for Jesus. And so fundamentally, that's probably the answer. I mean, who has had so much uh, more more influence than than uh, JC? And the answer is nobody. Nobody. So, so I'm probably going to stick with that answer. But I also know that, well, and I also know that you're not you're really never supposed to meet your heroes because you're probably always going to be disappointed. True. I mean, I'd love to meet Bruce Springsteen. I'd love to mm. meet uh, Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods and and all these these prominent people that that I respect and I look up to. But odds are, probably going to be left. Uh, Maybe a little bit disappointed, so I would rather, rather just uh, just just enjoy them um, by relationship the way that it is. So the answer is is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, that is one that after you're our sixteenth episode and nobody has selected Jesus. Yeah, we got we had a lot of Abraham Lincoln's. A lot of Abraham Lincoln's. Come well, on, people. I'm glad uh, <laughs> glad Jesus getting some love on the show today. Yeah. Jesus would have some really interesting things to say about finance too. Uh, yeah, he absolutely would. Yeah, I'm not going to make a comment I'm if, not if, either. if I'm in line with uh, <laughs> with with what I think he would say or, or not. Right. But he was all about that life of simplicity. I just remembered that you said you were a big tennis player. So I was surprised that you said Mike, MJ and Tiger Woods and you didn't name a tennis player. Yeah. Well, certainly, um, I, I don't know that I'm all that interested in. Uh, I don't I, I think. A lot of them are so fantastic, but I don't know that there's a lot of mystery. Federer seems like a great guy. I was going to say Federer. <laughs> I, mean, I would love to meet him. I felt like when you were- amazing. Ex- I think he would be one that would not disappoint you. No, he probably wouldn't. But I, I, I view him as like not a real person, though. He seems just so perfect. He does. He seems just so polished. Um, 
which is probably why I lean more towards meeting Tiger Woods because I know that there is an edge and and it's 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 probably right just below the surface. <laughs> right. You probably have a more interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah. But Federer seems genuinely nice. I yeah. like watching him play, and I always feel like when he loses, you know, once in a while, I'm like, he's not really even that mad, and he's a very good sport. Yeah, oh, 100%. He's just the, this perfect ambassador for sports kind of in general. Mm-hmm. I heard when he was a younger guy, he used to break rackets and throw rackets and okay, stuff. Okay, so he has a past. <laughs> All right. And I, I, I should really probably confirm that before I go running my mouth off. But <laughs> as a guy that used to break rackets, I, 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 I certainly understand the psychology. Makes sense. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with us, George? Yeah. I don't think anything necessarily. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I, I love podcasting, so um, <laughs> I certainly do a lot of them personally. And, and the Better Business Bureau, your mission is to create an ethical marketplace where people trust one another and you're free to do business in a trusting manner. Uh, 100% is in line with one of my personal values, with it, which which is justice. Uh, the other two are friendship, justice, and learning. Mm. Um, and then my company's values are confidence, community, and in- intentionality. And so community also, the more we can foster community, the better. I think that so often today we're, we wrap ourselves up and worry about what's going on with the president and in Congress and what's going And that's you need to tend to the part of your garden you can reach, and that's yourself and your personal finances. That's your family, and it, it's it's your community here, and that's why I'm uh, that's why I invest with the Better Business Bureau. That's why I'm involved with groups like Local First Arizona, um, because this is the stuff that you can control. Mm-hmm. So I like to put my time and my money where my mouth is. Um, so appreciate you having me on. Thanks for being here. That was an awesome way to wrap it up. We really appreciate you and all the great work you're doing for Phoenix and Arizona. And I guess one last thing, maybe we, you can put this earlier. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to give a plug for your podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. I uh, have a personal finance podcast called Money Savage, and I do that five days a week. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So 20 minutes long. Um, I try to make it fun. I don't know if I'm successful all the time, but I bring on guests from all over the country, experts in personal finance, investing, real estate investing, mindset, and happiness, and, and all those kinds of topics. And you can listen to it on your commute or while you're making dinner or, or really whatever. Perfect so. length. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming, George. Thank you, guys. A very special thanks to George Grombacher for coming on the show. He said there at the end that he does a podcast five times a week. I don't know how he does it. He's running Money Alignment Academy. He's got a baby. He's scheduling, recording, and putting out all these podcast episodes. And he found some time to even come on to our show. He's like a financial terminator, just relentlessly helping people put themselves in financial alignment. I hope everyone learned a little bit from this episode. I hope it helped at least a few people find a new perspective on how to look at their finances. BBB is going to have an online auction soon, so that means we're accepting donations from businesses that would like to help support our student programs. We're looking for anything from experiences to consumer electronics, things people would be excited to get into bidding wars over. Last year, I think one of the coolest items I saw was a free membership to a boxing club for women. That's unique. That's fun. Again, all the proceeds of this auction will help fund scholarships we award to ethical high school students. If you'd like to donate to our cause, please go to auction.bbbcommunity.org. 
We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please rate and review it anywhere you listen to podcasts. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or requests, you can send them to the Torch Podcast at bbbcommunity.org, and we will get back to you. See you next time, folks. <laughs>